It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Friday, August 20th, 2021. I'm Brooke Schaefer with Raven News. Local health officials have reported 12 new coronavirus cases since Wednesday and Thursday. According to the city's COVID dashboard, 11 of the cases are Sitka residents. 75% of the cases are under 50. Two of the cases are children 19 or younger. One case is listed as secondary, meaning the person had known contact with another COVID-positive person. Contact tracing is still in progress for the rest of the cases. Earlier this week, the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services reported Sitka's third COVID-related death, but the city's dashboard is still reporting only two deaths. According to the state, Sitka's third COVID casualty was a woman in her 40s. Since the pandemic began last year, local health officials have reported 1,007 coronavirus cases and 40 hospitalizations. Sitka's vaccination rate increased slightly this week. Just over 79% of eligible Sitkins have received at least one vaccine shot. Sitka's recent uptick in COVID cases over the weekend can be attributed, in part, to an outbreak at a local seafood plant. When the Sitka Unified Command met on Wednesday, public health nurse Denise Ewing said the outbreak occurred at Sitka Sound Seafoods. Several of their employees became positive. And quickly, they were very advantageous and made sure that they quickly um, worked with me and we got through we got through that little bit could have been much worse than what it was. Ewing said she's been working with state epidemiologists and the seafood company to mitigate the spread, securing housing for all employees who were exposed to quarantine and shutting down some areas of the plant. And we enforced it and was able to activate that and to keep it from spreading. And that's exactly what we've done. We've contained it. It is contained. Um, They are testing. They are testing every three days. Sitka Sound Seafoods is a subsidiary of Seattle-based North Pacific Seafoods. In a written statement, North Pacific Seafoods Vice President of Human Resources, Lori Moore, said several employees tested positive in mid-July. The plant discovered a new group of cases over the weekend as a result of regular testing. She said the employees are receiving isolation and quarantine pay. Neither Ewing or Moore would say how many plant workers tested positive. She said the plant follows stringent safety measures and requires masks for all employees. She said that the cases were breakthrough, meaning vaccinated employees contracted the virus. Ewing said 80% of plant employees are vaccinated, but the virus still took hold there. We believe it's the Delta variant, and the majority of them were vaccinated. So they are trying to do everything right. The Delta variant is just that aggressive. Ewing said the outbreak among vaccinated employees reinforced the need for booster shots. On Wednesday, the CDC announced that Americans who received the two-shot Pfizer or Moderna vaccine will need a third vaccine shot eight months after receiving their second dose. Ewing said that Harry Race Pharmacy will hold a regular vaccine clinic today. The clinic will begin administering vaccine booster shots to immunocompromised Sitkins on Friday, August 27th. For information on how to register for a booster shot or initial vaccine, call White's Pharmacy at 907-206-2202 or visit our COVID hub at kcaw.org. Yesterday, due to a technical malfunction, local news didn't air in its entirety. We sincerely apologize for the error. The newscast included our final interview with candidates running for local office, which did not air. To make sure all candidates have equal airtime, we're including that interview in today's newscast. KCAW's Catherine Rose spoke with Rachel Moreno. 
Rachel Moreno was born in Sitka. She moved away for a while, but came back in 1998 and has been here ever since. She says public service runs in the family. Uh, my dad was the late Phil Moreno Sr., and he helped influence the uh, creation of Raven's Way. And uh, my mother, she's a little rebel, she um, joined the Alaska Native Brotherhood in Sitka and became vice president and president uh, of the Alaska Native Brotherhood. And our whole family puts in a lot of time and effort keeping these two organizations going, the A&B and AMF. Moreno says her years of living in Sitka and her experience serving on boards and in government will be an asset should she be elected. Especially now during a COVID pandemic, we are addressing the most serious issue we've had to face in decades. And I would like to be a part of assuring and ensuring that our citizens come out of this healthy and intact She served on the Sitka Tribe of Alaska Tribal Council for eight years. She served as vice chair and represented Sitka Tribe on the search board of directors. She also was vice president of the board for the American Indian Alaska Native Tourism Association. She traveled to Capitol Hill frequently, pushing for Congress to pass the Native Act in 2016, which directs federal agencies to support tribes in the tourism industry. It's not asking them to fully fund the tourism ventures but to make every effort within their agency for these tribes to be a part of the national parks and the federal land. Moreno sees the coronavirus pandemic as the biggest challenge facing Sitka today, and she says she'll strongly rely on health experts to determine what kinds of legislation she'll support should she be elected to the Assembly. Well, listening to the experts on the CDC is the only way we can make beneficial and informed decisions. And so I would hope that we're allowed to do that, to bring whatever we need to do, whether it's legislatively or through mandates, whatever we need to do, we really need to rely on the experts. She's also interested in addressing housing, the cost of living in Sitka, and making more resources available for local students. With this COVID Kids are facing so much more than just whether or not they turn in their homework assignments. They're facing isolation. They're facing um, fear. They're facing loss of loved ones, the loss of a parent's income. And she hopes to work with, not against, the assembly and the public. You know, we need to think about uh, what's truly important and and. The Assembly can make the lives of of Sitkins better if we can work together and not be pulled apart by these issues. These issues are issues that are not, should not be made weapons. They should pull us together. Rachel Moreno is one of three candidates running for two open seats on the Sitka Assembly. Sitka's municipal election is Tuesday, October 5th. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. Katie Anastas spoke to U.S. Forest Service hydrologist Emil Tucker about how logs floating into creeks and removing those logs affect fish and the rest of the ecosystem. My understanding with Mitchell Creek was that it, you know, the logs were kind of sitting on top of the fish pass and not into it yet, but that they could have. Is that right? Yeah, the uh, 
And the log was pretty interesting. It was a, it was a big one, um, and it looked like it had been in the creek a long time. It didn't have any bark or branches or anything on it, um, but it was, yeah, sitting right on top of the fish pass. And, you know, that one was big enough that, you know, if it did move around, I think it could probably do some damage to the pass itself. You know, even though that Mitchell pass is made out of concrete, there there are wooden components, little boards and baffles in there that could be damaged. How often does something like the Mitchell Creek log removal have to happen? And is that happening anywhere else currently near Petersburg? Uh, that's a good question. I would say that it happens rarely. We do see logs of that size move in streams in, in southeast Alaska, but not very often. Usually usually things move um, a little bit, you know, from one log jam to the next and not really um, down the stream for any length. This one probably came off the bank somewhere. And so what moved it would definitely have been the high flows this past um, November and December. On Prince of Wales Island, a whole heap of logs racked up against the upstream side of a bridge and actually shifted the bridge location a little bit. And so they have to re redo the footings of the bridge to make it uh, passable for large vehicles again. These kinds of logs do play an important role in, in the whole ecosystem of creeks like this. Could you tell me more about that? Yeah, we think of these creeks as being woody dependent. And so they've they've sort of co-evolved with wood as part of their structure. And then those logs play an important role in creating pools and uh, cover for fish. Um, we, we have a whole like program of putting wood back into streams when we don't think there's enough of it. Oh, interesting. Why would you be putting wood back in? Um, so the wood in streams comes typically from the adjacent forest. And so if the adjacent forest was logged in the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, then we interrupt that supply of large wood. You know, it goes down to small trees regrowing. And those small trees don't really play the same ecological role as some of the big logs will. And so over time, the, tree will be, the, the stream will be losing wood. 80 years after harvest is sort of the predicted large wood minimum. And, and we're getting in this sort of 50, 50 to 60-year range, 45 to 60-year range on a lot of these streams that were harvested back then. You know, when there's less wood, we tend to have fewer, you know, big log jams, big deep pools. And so it may not be as good for juvenile fish in the summer, but it may be better for pink salmon in the early fall. And so you've sort of just, you've changed this ecological role. That was Emil Tucker, a hydrologist with the U.S. Forest Service. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News. <laughs>